Hey, product people, welcome to the Product to Profit podcast. We're pulling back the curtain on what it's really like to scale a product-based business profitably and getting into the mindset of a seasoned buyer. I'm your coach, Kristen Fisher, a former corporate retail buyer with over 15 years of experience working for some major brands that you would definitely know, turned six-figure e-commerce store owner of my own gifting brand, Boku, and a retail strategy coach for product-based business owners, just like yourself. Inside this podcast, I have honest conversations about what's going on inside of my own business. And I'm also sharing insights to help you get inside the mindset of a buyer to start applying big retail strategies to your own small retail business. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the podcast. I am really honored today. I have Lauren Savisky of Fitz and Bennett Home here with me to chat about her experience running a brick and mortar and an e-com shop and chat all things buying. So Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. We've Lauren and I, I feel like, I don't even know if you really know this, you might, but when I first moved to Boston, so I live in Philly now, lived in Boston for a little bit. And our, my first weekend there, I was like, I want to go up to Portland, mate. It was my birthday weekend. I'm like, I don't really care about Boston that much. I just want to go up to Portland. I've always been dying to go. And so my husband and I went up and one of the first shops that I found, like I just stumbled on your shop and it was like this little magical hidden oasis. And every time we would go up, I would make the effort to go into your store. So I am obsessed with your shop. That's so nice. It's like such a cute shop. It's so well curated. So I would love to hear about your background and what like the journey was to getting to opening up Fitz and Bennett? Sure. Um, I feel like I'm from Connecticut originally, so I'm not a true Mainer, which I married a Mainer. My kids are Mainers. So I grew up in Connecticut and like a small coastal town, like lots of very cute little quaint shops. And I just always, you know, I just remember the feeling like I got going into those shops and shopping for little gifts and special things and kind of carry that with me. I always worked in retail um, and I went to school for textiles, merchandising and design in Rhode Island and then worked, you know, kind of like in big box retail at the mall. Like I feel like we all did our time at American Eagle and The Gap. (laughs) And then I worked in like boutique retail, which was really fun. So I kind of got both sides of it. And I feel like once you're in retail, you just kind of stick with it. I don't know if, if you're that that kind of person. So I always worked in retail. And then um, after school, moved up to Portland, kind of on a whim, I worked for an interior designer for a while, which was a lot of fun, because I love interiors, like was always, you know, redecorating my room, moving things around when I was younger. And that JCPenney catalog, that home catalog would come and it was so thick. And I was like, I want 25 pillows on my bed. I want the matching comforter. And like, all that stuff. My parents thought I was delusional. But so interiors, home, little gifty things. It was like, I just loved it so much. Um, Worked for an interior designer, then worked for a larger retail store, still like a boutique up here called K Colette, which was in business for six years, is not in business anymore. But it was wonderful. And that was really my first, um, you know, experience with buying. So I got to travel around and buy got to go to Paris, got to go to New York a ton, California, feel very lucky to have done that and kind of just seen so much more than I would have ever seen on my own. And then when I left K Colette, I was kind of like, you know, I was at that point where I couldn't get much higher up there. And it felt like 
I had ownership of the business, but it wasn't mine. And I kind of just wanted my own thing. So I was like, maybe I'll just give it a shot. Let's see. Let's see if we can find a space. Let's see if I can get a loan, you know, like all those important things that you need. And I don't know why or how, but it somehow worked out. And here we are. We're here five years later and two kids in. And I feel very grateful that it has worked out so far through a pandemic too. So very lucky. Yeah, that's that's really, that's a cool story. I didn't realize that you had like the buying background. How many locations did Kay Collette have? Just one location. The one, yeah. It was kind of a funny story. It started out as two um, under a different name. She had two other partners and then that partnership kind of split up. So the other location closed and then the big flagship one was in Portland. And then we had a web store and it was, you know, she, the owner at the time who was wonderful, I'm still in touch with her. She ran it like a large kind of retail entity. So we had a photographer on staff, we had somebody viewing web development, we had, you know, I was buying with her, we had a full staff of, you know, sales associates and store manager and all that. And so it was kind of a unique experience, because small businesses that are one off like that often cannot do that kind of thing. But you know, it was, it was kind of magical. And people still come in here and say, I miss Kay Collette so much. And, you know, they have such nostalgia for it. Yeah. So I have a little piece of it still here with me, I feel like. Yeah. I feel like you carry those experiences with you, you know, throughout, especially when you have something that is, that's like that, where it's just like a little magical bubble that you're in. And you're like this, I want to hang on to this in some ways. Like it's cool to be able to carry that with you into your own shop now. I think what's really cool is that this is why I asked you how many locations they have because I think a lot of times smaller retailers are kind of treated like a small a small shop. And in a lot of ways, that's really great. But you, it's also in order to grow, I think you do have to think about how to operate it like a larger retailer would. That's how you become a larger retailer, to be able to think about your photography, like professional photography and having a dedicated buyer. Like when you can get to the point of hiring somebody like you, having somebody with an eye that can travel and stuff. That's, that's I think, a cool experience for you to like have as you're growing your business. Yeah, it was awesome. And it felt like, I mean, the photographer, we were all pretty green in the whole experience, even the owner. Um, she had never really had her foot in retail. She kind of came in, wanted to be a silent partner in the thing and it didn't work out. So she was kind of thrust into this like, well, this is it now. So we kind of just were like, okay, let's go. Yeah, welcome. And like, let's go buying and see. And I felt like I had a good like textile background. So I could help, you know, like curate what what we were bringing in textile wise. And she had such a grand vision, you know, um, that it all, I don't know, it worked out. It was very cool. Yeah, that's cool. And it makes a lot of sense because you always have really beautiful textiles in your shop. So I'm connecting some dots on <laughs> that kind of love that you have of that. So Whenever you were deciding to open up your shop, how did you kind of envision and like map out your business plan and like come to the idea of what Fitz and Bennett Home would be? Like, did you always feel like you wanted a home and gift type shop or did that just kind of evolve? Like, curious about your process on that. Yeah, I think... Honestly, we did so much at my old, at K Colette. It was a lot of bedding and pillows and blankets and, um, you know, dishware and service stuff. And I was kind of like, well, I'll just do a smaller portion of that because that's what I know and that's what I love. And so I kind of started off in that realm and it didn't really work out as well up here, you know, smaller location, um, 
the price points were, I think, a little high for Portland at the time. And maybe perhaps that's why it didn't work out with the other store. But um, so I kind of had to adapt. So I had to bring in more gift, more books, more like small little items. Um, I brought in, you know, I did like a baby section and just tried to like cover the bases. Like if you were, if I was going out to look for a gift for someone or like a little something special for me or for my house, if I wanted a treat, like what would I be looking for? So not necessarily the big items like quilts and pillows. And I mean, I still have pillows, but you know, quilts and sheeting and all that stuff. I feel like that market is really hard now, especially with the big boxes like West Elm and West Elm was right up the street from us. Even Target. I mean, you know, you can go buy a set of sheets, a nice set of sheets for, you know, a hundred bucks there. And it's like, you can't really do that in, in a boutique setting. It's hard to get that price point. So I kind of just you know, shifted a little bit. And so we have a ton of candles and lotions and, you know, apothecary and I don't know, paper goods. And it's more fun, honestly. Like, I feel like you can come in here and find some, I feel like everyone could find a little something that they fall in love with or that they need to have, or they feel like another person in their life needs to have. And that was kind of my goal. Once I realized like maybe the other stuff wasn't going to work out was like, okay, make it access- accessible for everybody. And I want everyone to feel welcome. I don't want them to walk into a store and be like, oh, well, they only have these things and I don't need any of these things. I want them to be like, oh, what's that over there? And oh, this book looks amazing. And look at these greeting cards. And I know somebody who's having a birthday or whatever. And um, yeah, so I just was like, yeah, I just wanted it to be like a welcoming place where you felt like you were coming into a beautiful, highly curated space, but it didn't feel intimidating at all. Like some of those high-end retail places can feel. Um, At least I've felt that way when I've gone into them before. I'm like, wow, this is gorgeous. I don't want to touch anything and I can't afford to buy anything. And, but you love that feeling, you know, it's just like a certain experience. And I wanted that here but I wanted it to be accessible for everybody. Yeah, I love that. And that I definitely can feel that because your shop has a mix of high and low, which I think is really important. And that's kind of the key to building out an assortment where you have different price points so people can either just buy what they can, if they can only afford something small or they only need something small, they can get that and feel really good. Or if they want something that's higher end and add on a small item, like that's the beauty of having a really balanced assortment with a lot of price points. So I think it's cool that you saw that and were able to pivot successfully because I think sometimes people don't do that. So that goes back to like your eye and your ability to, to curate, you know, an assort product. Yeah. And I really just felt like the writing was on the wall. It's like, you've got to listen to your customers and, you know, check the reports and be like, okay, what I thought was going to work, is not going to work. So let's pivot and figure something else out. The only choice. <laughs> yeah. It literally is your only choice. You, and I think it's what's cool. And I did this too. To I think to a degree, when I look back, like you go into your business and you're like, I'm going to build out something that I know there's a need for it, whether it's like in the actual location or online or whatever, there's a need for this. But also I'm going to start out with the things that I know that I love, that I would gift or I would buy. And then you have to quickly read your results and make changes and not get like too like stuck in your own ways. I'm curious, whenever you look at your reports, how do you determine if something just like from a category perspective is not doing well and you need to just like move on even if your heart is really in it? Oh yeah, it's hard sometimes. And sometimes I will keep trying just depending on what the thing is, you know? Um, But I just kind of look at like, I try and look at like the last six months depending on what time of year we're in, you know? Like um, even looking back at sales like January through May, 
it's been a slow start to the year. So I'm like, okay, what did I do January through May last year? Or like, you know, November through I, Christmas kind of skews everything. So it's hard to say, but I just look at everything like in a six month or a year and say, how many of these units have I sold in a year? Like even going back and looking at the sales history, like how many this month, how many that month, like and going from there and deciding, does it help round out another, you know, a category? Like, is it there? to really be a top seller? Or is it there to like make things look beautiful and kind of like lift everything up? I feel like there are those products too, you know, like you need to have those. Um, but yeah, I just kind of will look at the, the reports and then, you know, make a decision from there. And I, I'm, it's hard because sometimes I'm like, um, you know, when buying, I'm not buying in huge quantities, mostly. I mean, until a product is really proven that it's going to work for us, I'm like, okay, six, please, or 12, please. And we'll see how it goes, you know? And sometimes that bites me in the butt and I have to go back and reorder really quickly. But I think it's better to be on the safe side, try something if you're not sure about it, and then go back and reorder again and just feel better going back the second time. I hate to buy into anything, uh, you know, with so much confidence and then have it not move at all. And then... (laughs) you know, it just stinks. Like it's not fun. Well, and then, yeah, it doesn't look good for like to have things on markdown and also for the brands, you know, I know a lot of brands listen to this podcast. Like sometimes you should be happy if a buyer is buying smaller quantities upfront because you don't want your product to sit and collect dust or be on markdown. So it's sometimes it's good to be okay with the test concept. And also if you have a higher price point, you have to start out with small units if you're not sure about something. Yeah, absolutely. And it's fun. The Northeast is funny. Portland is funny. I mean, we are a tourist community and we, there's a lot of people who are willing to spend a lot more money, you know, during the high season. So May through October, but you know, the rest of the year it's locals and something about New Englanders. We're just kind of like, you know, we're not going to spend all of our money on something unless we really know that we love it. And and, you know, once it proves itself to us. So um, I have my price points in my mind, you know, that I know people will spend this much on a book, probably no higher, you know, like for a quick pickup. And yeah, it's just, it's all, it's so much like in your head, like when you walk into a store, you know, the price points and everything. And it's totally, it's so interesting. Cause I think I love what you said about the different times a year and how much people spend different times a year. So whether you're in a tourist community or even just I think in general, people spend more and less during certain times. So it's important to have like an assortment strategy so that you're you're pushing different price points at different times. You know, I think that that's, that's makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I feel like I have more like um, confidence going into summer and like, okay, I can I can take on the larger price points because I know that there are people coming from other, other towns and like, you know, you just have more confidence in it. But during the other part of the year, I'm like, no, no. You can't do that. Yeah, it needs to be under $10. But it's, I mean, that that's, it's super smart. And it's interesting because like for me, the summertime is when I pull back and because a gifting business is online only, summer is a little bit slower. So I have an opposite feeling of my price points and inventory levels and all of that. Is there anything that you've noticed between your e-com shop versus your brick and mortar shop where there are differences in how you either plan your assortment or the inventory that you bring in or types of brands? or anything just like difference between the channels? Honestly, I mean, I was I was totally against having a website for a very long time, which is kind of crazy. But when I first opened, I was like, I just need to get the store going. Like I'll figure out the website later. And there was, you were in the store one time. I don't know if you remember this, but 
I remember. I don't know which time it was, but it could have been your first time. And you told me about your line or your brand. And I looked it up and I was like, I think I looked it up right there, like while you were in front of me. And I was like, oh, this looks beautiful. Like, do you hire a photographer? And you were like, no. (laughs) At that point, I don't think you did. I think you said, you can take these photos with an iPhone. Look at your floor. I have like this beautiful concrete floor. You're like, you can shoot these things on your floor here in the store. And I was like, okay, maybe I can do this, you know? So I was like, like, all right, Kristen said it's easy. I'm just going to start out with some some little things. You know, I think I started my website with like, who knows, like 40 products or whatever. I tried to have a little bit in each category. And um, thank God I did because it was like the fall of 2019 before COVID had hit. And then once COVID hit, I really had to ramp up and ramp up quickly or I was going to be done, you know? So we were super busy all through um, the pandemic, which was awesome. I was like delivering things, you know, with my two-year-old asleep in the car, going to people's houses. People were picking up curbside. I was packing orders. It was it was great, but a surprise, you know. So I, for someone who was very resistant to the website, and then it's kind of grown. I mean, people who found us during the pandemic, you know, who aren't from Maine or whatever, have stuck around. They'll they'll be on our email list, and I'll, I'm kind of. I'm not great with sending out emails, but I send them out, you know, kind of sporadically. And I always see, a, you know, an increase in sales when I do that, obviously, because you're putting your product in front of somebody. So it's like, hello, you need to do that more often, you know, but I don't, I don't think there are like any real differences in what people are buying online versus what they're buying in the store. Um, I mean, more so candles and, and lotions and things in the store that people can smell and, you know, they'll have that experience. But um, a lot of people come visit during the summer or whatever and go home and then they'll remember something and and they'll be like, well, I wanted to support you. They'll leave a little note or whatever, which is so sweet. So they'll, they'll, you know, buy with me and they'll pay for shipping if we're not doing free shipping at the time or whatever, just because they want to support a small business, which is so, so nice. Cause I know like I, somebody's got to pay for shipping. It's got to be me or the customer or, you know, it's expensive and we try to make it affordable and we do free shipping every once in a while, but I know that they have so many choices online and I feel like very grateful when they choose to shop with us, but I don't like technic. I don't really account like say I need to buy X amount more for the website. I kind of, I will make sure I have, if a product I have is like low in inventory, I won't put it on the website because I don't want that. Inevitably what will happen is somebody will buy the one that I have in the store and my software won't connect properly or something. And then somebody else will buy the other one. I'm not, you know, like it's, it will just be a disaster. So everything is just pretty much pulled from one pot. We fill everything here you know, the website is not super busy. It's definitely picks up during the winter, like around Christmas, which is great. But the main focus for now is the shop. I've been thinking I need like a website refresh. Um, and I think I need to hire someone to help me because I've, um, I've done what I can do. And, you know, I'm not the most tech savvy. Hey, that's amazing that you've done it yourself. That's that's a feat in and of itself. Wait, I cannot believe you're... I wasn't going to talk about that conversation, but I remember that vividly. And I don't remember if it was the first or second, but it was time that I was in your shop, but it was early on. And I remember just being like, oh, I'm obsessed with this store. Like, are you online? Like, I just, I remember having that conversation so vividly. So I, I it makes me really happy that you remember that. Um, but hey, you know, like this is just part of growing your business. And so your next phase can be, I would say like before you even like invest in relaunching your site, you probably have more legs like to get from it before you would put money into that. Cause I feel like your site is great 
And if you do more like email marketing and pushing people to shop online before you invest, I don't think you need to invest in something new. I think it's easy to get caught up in the, before I do this, it needs to look this way. I do this too. So I am like fully guilty of this, but you know, before I start shipping online, I have to have these beautiful boxes. No, you don't like, you know, whatever the the hangup is, I need beautiful imagery. You do need beautiful imagery, but you can do it yourself. Like, right. You just have to start somewhere, I guess, like not getting hung up. Yeah. So I totally, yeah, I, I feel that way. Yeah. I'm always like, it doesn't have to be perfect, but you know, like pretty, pretty good. It's just, but like, we like a good aesthetic. So it's really hard to let go of like, I want it. I want my site to look like fill in whatever retailer or brand you're obsessed with. (laughs) And you actually, your product will speak for itself and your brand. Um, But like, that's the next phase for you which is exciting. I know. Yeah, I think so. I'm like, hopefully this fall, my kids will, my oldest will be in kindergarten. My youngest will be full-time. So I feel like I will have five days, at least sort of five days to focus on that. So that's my my fall project. Okay. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your buying process and how you approach bringing new brands and bringing new products into the shop. Like what is your process before you even go to market or trade shows if you do that? And like, what are you like looking for? Oh, gosh. Um, my process is kind of a little, it's a little all over the place. Um, I do try, I look at reports and see like what my best selling categories are um, and see if I can build them out anymore, like make them more robust. But sometimes it's like, you can only have so many candles. You know what I mean? Like you don't need another candle line. And if you think you do, maybe you should get rid of another one. And just, I don't know, I kind of, I just kind of shop for like what what I'm attracted to, like what I like to look at, and of course by price point too. But I um, I go to the shows kind of with an open mind. I don't do too much prep work because I feel like you can deep dive and like it's hard to come out of that, you know, or just get too you know anxious about it. So I just walk around kind of like I'm going shopping at another store, and if something catches my eye, I approach them. I try not to get like too involved with the brand like right away just because I don't know if it's going to be a good fit you know just because you like the looks of something doesn't mean it's going to work in your store and you know it's going to be perfect so I just approach I gather as much information as I can and then I will like place some orders at the shows but not a ton um I do a lot of buying now on fair which has been an awesome platform for me, especially during COVID because I was not attending shows. And I actually, my first show back was just this last one in February or January, February in New York. Um, I hadn't been for like three years, basically. So fair has been awesome. And then Instagram is like such a good tool. I mean, just kind of cruising around, seeing what you can see, going to other shops, profiles, or visiting other shops, you know, in other towns and seeing what they have that you might like you know, just kind of just, I mean, I just approach it like I'm shopping for myself, basically. The store is merchandised by color too. So if I'm finding like I'm really attracted to a certain color, then I will kind of be on the lookout for more things like that to, you know, make a collection, but it's all very relaxed. And I'm sometimes thankful that things work out together. You know, I don't, I don't always know that they will, but you can make anything by color, you know, you just kind of, the reds, reds go here, blues go here. It has a lot of impact like that, I think. And my brain is happy like that. So yeah, well, I, I'm similar. I don't go into a trade show with like, I am looking for this unless it is a color story or I am looking to add more 
stationary brands or something, like I usually just go in with an open mind because you never know what you're going to find. I was, I'm really interested when you said when you're at the shows and you're, you find a new brand that you like, you don't do a lot of like you don't build a really strong connection with them right there because you want to kind of take a step back. I think that that's really interesting. And I think that that's good for a lot of brands to hear because I have a one-on-one client that I was just working with and she had her first like bigger show. And she was like, I didn't have a lot of brands like really stay and have long conversations with me. And she was kind of feeling down about it. And I was like, I don't think that you should feel bad about that because we can't make all these decisions like in that exact moment. So it's I think it's interesting that you said that and it's good for people to hear because you know, you are breezing through and you're window shopping and you're just trying to like collect data and find cool brands and you don't have all day to have long conversations, you know? So I think that that was, I think that's good to, for people to hear. Yeah, you're right. It is a lot like window shopping and like, I'm just like, you got to play it cool. Like on both ends too. I mean, like we, you know, you go up to a booth and you're excited about something, but you don't want them you don't want to act so excited that you get their hopes up too. And then you realize, oh, I can't meet that minimum. Or, you know what, maybe this isn't going to work. I don't have the wall space for this or whatever. So, you know, I try to just, yeah, just window shop, basically collect the information and then kind of like put my thoughts together when I go home that night and say like, this was really cool. Let me dive in a little deeper, check out their online presence, their policies, you know, about minimums and, um, and also like whether they're available in my zip code, because I feel like so many times I've gone to a booth and been so excited. And then they're like, Oh, sorry, we're at this shop. that's a quarter mile away or whatever. And we can't sell to you. And then it's a bummer for me, you know, like to get your hopes up for something and then it's not going to work out. So yeah, just play it cool. That's all I say. And don't be, yeah, it's just, just play it cool. Yeah. It's like, it's like you're dating. Like don't be too aggressive. Like you're not trying to get married on the first date. Are there any things that stand out to you when buyers, I'm sorry, when brands are following up post shows? Are there any things that like you appreciate either like how they reach out or if they're connecting with you on social. I'm just curious if there's like things that stand out to you to actually remind you that you formed even a little bit of a connection at a show. Yeah, I appreciate like a very simple email connection afterward. I'm just saying, hey, just checking in. But and I don't know if it's just like the millennial in me, but like, I don't want to have a phone conversation with anybody. I don't want anyone to like cold call. I don't want anyone to like walk into my store and try and sell me things. Like, I just want you to give me as much information as you can so that I can do my research kind of behind closed doors and then decide if it's the right fit for me. Um, And I will reach out if I have questions, you know, like there are some lines that I think approach, you know, maybe not somebody I met at the, uh, trade show or whatever, but these lines that approach us sometimes. And I'm like, have you looked at my website? Have you looked at my store? Like, are you familiar with my aesthetic? Because it does not feel like we are lining up. And I just feel like it's a waste of time. You know, like, I don't want to be like, I'm, I try to respond to as many, you know, vendors who are reaching out as possible and say, like, this might not be a good fit for me. But how about this other shop? Like, I try to do that, because I think it's important to be nice and try and help other lines if they can't because I get it they're small they're just starting out I can't imagine what it's like to have you know your whole livelihood in this one brand and you're trying to sell your product it's it's hard to put yourself out there so 
I try to be kind. And if it's not going to work out, just say like, the line's beautiful, not right for us at this time. But how about this other store? If I can think of something, you know, if I could think of another place for them. But but again, yeah, like know who you're talking to, know what their aesthetic is and, and really question, you know, say, will this fit in there? Do I think this would be a good fit? Because a lot of times it's not. <laughs> I'm just like, this is not for us. I don't think you meant to send me this. I am so happy you said that. I give that advice a lot because it's really important to like take that step to look not only for the brand that you're reaching out to, but also for yourself at, as the owner of your brand, wasting your own time, you know, or if you're paying somebody else to to help you with outreach, like you want to actually make sure that the brand makes sense in the retailer that you're trying to get into. Like people will message me or email me with like children's backpack lines. And I'm like, what are you doing right now? Or they, when they call you the wrong name, I like that one. Oh, I get Laura a lot. Yeah. No. Okay. You're very nice because I do, I do try really hard to respond to all the emails. I don't always get to them admittedly, but if somebody emails me and it is way off, I don't respond because I'm like, you didn't take the time to even look at my site and to know that you would not make sense at all in my business. So I'm not going to take the time to respond. So it's really nice that you do. I mean, I don't, not to everyone, but you know, if somebody also, if they keep following up, like if I see like the third email pop up and I'm just like, okay, I obviously need to tell you that this is not going to be a good fit because you're not getting it. You know, like, like, please, (laughs) this is not going to work out. And just like another little thing, I don't know if this is, this could cause some controversy, but I am not a huge fan of reps for like small lines. Um, I don't know if it's just kind of the old school way of selling, but you know, they kind of walk in there with their wheelie bags and they're like, let me show you all my lines. And, and again, it's like, you know, I don't know that type of salesy, um, stuff does not work for me. So I'm much more inclined to go for a smaller line that is not represented by a regional rep or whatever, you know, I do think it's so easy for them to start up on fair. I know fair takes a good chunk. So I understand why some people don't do that. But um, just approaching me yourself, you know, like person to person, business owner to business owner feels so much more genuine and is so much more appreciated than having a rep come in and do it. I think it's important for people to hear that and to understand because I do think like I understand why brands have that because as they're growing, they need some help to continue to scale. and. It's. I think it's important to try it if it's something that you think would be really helpful for your business or if you have something like a drinkware line or something that has, there's like certain categories that I think could make sense for that. But I agree that I prefer to make the connection with the brand itself. It just feels better. Like we are spending our own money on the inventory. Like you could either pay yourself or your staff or you could pay, you could spend it on inventory. Obviously you need inventory to make sales, but I'm just saying that the money that you're spending, you want to feel really good about where it's going and I I think in 2023 there are better ways to sell people that <laughs> don't feel like the old school, you know, bring in the case and right. Yes, I agree. And I feel like aesthetic movement did such a good job with it as a brand rep. I mean, and I don't are they even doing that anymore now that they've started shop? I don't know if they're 
actually, they must be aesthetic movement. They were, yeah, they still are. They had a huge booth at shop this past round, I think. So, but they do a great job. It's like everything's very curated. Again, it feels like a shop with it, you know, that you're shopping in. So it it feels just different than the the traditional um, wheelie bag of catalog. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to link them out in the show notes because that I just like totally butchered that whole section. And that way, if you are looking for a rep, they could be some good options for you or just to see what we're talking about. So I feel like, oh my God, this is such a good conversation. I kind of want to end it with just any insights that you have or like a big challenge or mistake that has happened at some point throughout your journey. If you're like me, there's probably a lot that you've learned from, but if there's like one thing that really stands out to you that helped you to actually grow. I would say like when I was first starting out, like had to write the business plan, I was in talks with a bank and I worked with this guy for months. I mean, we would go in for progress checks and blah, blah, blah for funding. At the end of it all, it did the funny did not come through with that bank. And it was a killer. I was like, okay, I guess I'm not doing this now. Now what am I going to do with my life? You know, I was like six months pregnant and trying to figure everything out. And, uh, you know, we pivoted and we had another contact at a different bank that I had not even really considered. And that worked out. And it worked out in a matter of like, two weeks or something like all that hard work I had put into this other thing didn't work out. And I was so devastated. And then, you know, it's like the sun came out and everything was just fine. So it's like, always have a backup. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Like, and this is in regards to everything, really. I mean, like, don't put all of your eggs in one basket inventory wise. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Like with one employee, like you've got to spread it out so that you are not left, you know, with that, like, oh my God, I don't have a choice. I have to do this thing, you know, like, um, and everything will work out. Like just there are so many little things that make you feel like you're doing it wrong, you know, when you're starting out and it's like, just keep going, just keep trudging. You're going to get stronger for it and it's going to work out and you're going to look back and be like, God, I thought that was the end. And it wasn't, it was just the beginning, you know, like it'll all work out. Yeah. So I guess that's my thing. Oh, I love that. That's, that's a perfect, that's a perfect story. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, yes, of course. Okay. So tell me how everybody can find you and shop from you. Sure. They can come to Portland, Maine. It's beautiful here. The sun is shining. It's starting to get warm, although we have a frost warning this evening, (laughs) but it'll be fine. Of course. So Portland, Maine, um, in the old port, we're here. Just look us up and you can find us online, fitzandbennethome.com and on Instagram at fitzbennethome. Check us out. We'd love to have you. I'm going to link everything out and I'm going to be in Maine this summer in August. So I will be seeing you in person. I will coordinate. I'll make sure you're at the shop. Oh, good. All right. Thank you so much. Perfect. Thank you. Talk to you soon. All right. That's all I've got for you today. I am so glad that you're here. If you are loving the show, I would be beyond grateful if you would just take a minute to rate and review this podcast just to help spread the word. Now, there's something in it for you too, as a little thank you. If you leave a review, share a screenshot or just share the show to your stories and tag me at product to profit coach on Instagram. You'll be entered to win my new monthly giveaway where you'd win a hot seat coaching call with me. You'd have the option to record it live on this podcast, which not only would be so much fun, but would also give your amazing brand some visibility and you a quick win. So thank you again for tuning in. I hope that you absolutely crush your sales this week.